Good morning, LinkedIn. Uh, welcome to this session uh, from the BA video series. Um, the topic for today is change management. Uh, we've got two speakers from our, from our panelists today. Uh, we've got uh, Valeria and Prismis Erslaw. Um, for those of you who have been a member of our BA video series, you you are familiar with the format of these sessions. It always starts off with the introduction from our panelists, followed by uh, project experiences uh, about their past and present projects that they worked on. On that note, uh, let's kickstart with a quick introduction, uh, starting with uh, Valeria, if you can kickstart with, with uh, an introduction from your side, please. Hi, everyone. Hi, Vijay. Hi. Um, I'm Valeria. Uh, my name is Valeria Cardillo Piccolino, and uh, I'm a leadership consultant and coach in a company called CPC Leadership. We are a, a global partnership dealing with uh, leadership solutions and uh, coaching services. And uh, um, my experience with change has started both as an employee in the past and uh, as um as a consultant but so i would say that we all deal with change in day one of our lives so maybe as a psychologist because my background is, is in psychology um i would say that it's interesting to dig deeper also in that fight okay thank you valeria and uh if you'd like to Yes, hi, hi. Uh, thank you for the invitation, uh, Vijay. Uh, so, uh, Przemysław is my official name, uh, and maybe a little difficult to pronounce. Sorry for that. Przemek is a shorter version. Przemek. Maybe they'll come, yeah, they'll, that hopefully will turn out easier. So, uh, I'm also a coach, I'm also a consultant uh, in the leadership area, and uh, I'm also an OD consultant, organization development. So, we lead big change processes in organizations. And uh, I'll share some more information about that uh, during my part of the presentation. Um, besides that, I'm, a, I'm an Aikido teacher. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the dojo practicing, uh, starting today at 6 a.m., for instance. So that's how I got to work with, with people. So we work with, with managing boards and uh, mainly with managing boards and uh, top management about leading change in their organizations. It turns out usually to be a culture change initiative, but uh, we tend to avoid this kind of term because when you come to people and you say we're gonna we're gonna change the culture here, they get terrified. So uh, we have we have other ways to do it, which eventually turns into a culture change initiative. But that's not a good way to start. Great, thank you. Feel free to uh, use the hashtag BA Video Series, or you can go on uh, be a member of our LinkedIn Live webinar and we also have the uh, podcast links uh, related to these uh, webinars um great so let's start off with the projects itself uh, valeria if you could uh, initiate your project stories and give us some insights into this yeah um i was thinking about a question uh, a question this morning before talking about the experience uh, that is in our life, we all deal with change, many types of change. So before going to the organizations, let's think about ourselves. And 
it would be interesting to know um, from who wants to reply if there is someone listening or from you, what are the things that are really preventing us from change, so are raising our resistances to change, even when it's something that we plan to do by ourselves, like, okay, I'm smoking and I want to quit smoking, okay? So, um, if you have to tell me one or two things that have provoked this resistance to this change in your life, what what would be? Maybe I can ask this question to you, but Vijay, or to you, Presmi, or if anyone else wants to, to reply. Yeah, uh, I, I might uh, go uh, tr uh, have a try on this. Um, resistance, I guess emotional resistance sometimes makes it difficult for the change to happen. Maybe because we are so used to the way the, the way of the working practice and the way of, uh, you know, we're used to, at least for some of us who've worked in the XYZ company for a long time, we've we're used to a certain way on how things are done and adaptability sometimes becomes difficulty for the, difficult for those who've been working for so long in a certain type of environment. So there's also the fear, maybe. There's also a little bit of the fear, you know, what uh, what if, if we change, uh, it's going to disturb the, the way of life of how we do things in the organization and, uh, uh, you know, we don't, uh, and we don't, we cannot identify the level of risk. So yeah. all these unknown factors are some of the reasons for it, from my experience. It's interesting because the, the words that I hear from you are uh, habit, so going beyond an habit, and I've heard fear and risk. So it's like our brain is becoming very alert. What about you? Do you have anything? Yeah. Yep. So, well, I absolutely agree that the resistance is a big, uh, big issue here. And uh, um, I actually created a small presentation. I'm not sure if that's uh, convenient to present something in, uh, now or later, uh, but uh, I, I'm not sure we haven't spoken on that. But I, there, there's a slide about resistance. And in the context of uh, a bigger systemic change, uh, uh, there's, there are three levels uh, of resistance and uh but identified by dear colleague and consultant rick maurer and he says that level level one resistance is that people people don't uh, don't understand it uh why why we're heading for change and uh, this is this is maybe because they lack information uh, they they don't have the the correct tools to interpret the data they don't have some crucial data why the change is needed uh, second, second level of uh, resistance is that I don't understand it. I mean, I don't, I don't like it, and this is much more difficult to identify because this is more about the in internal part of the human beings, about their emotions, and they're not. Uh, and uh, I'm not a, 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 a here as well, somebody that is uh, free from that. But sometimes it's not easy to admit. That I'm afraid of 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 this change, or uh, that something will be happening, and in a culture, in a big in a big organization where you have an M&A merger acquisition or some kind of or some kind of restructure, the first question comes to mind: Okay, will the, will there be any any layoffs? Uh, is my is my is my job secure? 
And uh, and then if I start talking about that freely, that means that I feel insecure. So maybe my boss will think that, okay, maybe I'm not the right person for this job. So, so this is... Uh, so this is the second level. And the third level is that whoever initiates the change mm. in the organization, if I don't like this person or I don't trust this person, I will not follow. And uh, so those are those are three levels of, of, uh, of resistance and each level, uh, uh, you can't solve uh, level two with uh, resistance with level one. If somebody is afraid, you cannot just pour more data onto them and uh, hope that he'll be get on board. And the same if if uh, if somebody doesn't like me as a leader of change or change agent and doesn't trust me or doesn't try trust my leadership, uh, it, it really doesn't matter if the person uh, understands the change and even thinks that this is this might be good. Because if I'm the leader of change and I don't have the trust, the person will not follow will resist, will sabotage. Um, if I think about the cases that I've lived, I've lived, I'm thinking about one that I've lived personally as an employee and others that I've lived as a consultant. And all what you're saying is completely true um, in the sense that if people don't really understand the reason why behind the change and uh, also, I would add an element of maybe what you call trust, of coherence between what is said and preached right. and what is behaved. So let me go to the, to, to the real case. I've worked for Costa, um, Costa Cruises for three years as an HR uh, training and development on board ships. And this happened after uh, the famous, unfamous case of Costa Concordia accident. Um, what's interesting is that um, what was, let's say, an accident dealing with safety that for a business such as the, the one of cruise industry is very crucial. This uh, safety accident was impacted by the leadership style and the hierarchies that were, were like an habit into the company. So in, in cruise ships, there is a high and rigid hierarchy uh, where the captain is, mm, is like God, like God on board. So what he decides, he has also a lot of responsibilities and what he decides, it's a rule. What is interesting in terms of change is that after the accident, the company understood that the change that they needed was not only a change in terms of safety procedures that were anyway um, um, revised, obviously, but it was a change of the leadership style that was prevalent since ages. So if you think about the first cruise ship in the world, I mean, it were centuries that people were used to have this kind of structure inside the company. And what Costa has started to do, and it's, I mean, it's something that is um, valid till now, uh, because they are still working on it, is to reshape the way people were lead. And uh, I would say that 
sometimes it's easier to change something that is concrete and tangible than something that is the so the so-called soft part of management such as leadership skills and behaviors inside the company because when you want to implement a new tool the, the first part could seem very easy merger and acquisition you do the due diligence uh, you start the negotiation that that's that's not easy obviously but in the end in terms of change i would say that I, I can be provocative here and I expect to be challenged, but I, I would say that that's the, the easiest part because changing instead the, the way people are used to behave, so the habits, and uh, uh, change the way they give meaning to uh, their roles and the responsibilities is even more difficult and it takes a lot of time and patience. So uh, connecting to what you were saying uh, for people in Costa during that change, I, I've seen. I mean, I've, I've seen teams where these changes were welcomed in a in a better way, uh, and that was really depending first on the fact that that kind of change of leadership style, new behaviors, was explained, and were explained very carefully and well the advantages for them so i need if i want i'm resistant to change such as any human being because of what you were saying before what vj was mentioning before but if i'm explained the reason why and i really understand that there is an advantage okay there are more chances that my resistances will go a little bit um, will decrease a, a bit. Another thing that I've seen that was working in certain teams, and teams I mean also the management of a ship. So I was uh, I was an HR on board um, maybe a ship, and and a ship you have to imagine is like um, subsidiary of a company. Okay, so there were maybe one thousand five hundred employees on board, a top management that was the captain with the. The, the the management of the ship etc so um i've seen that in certain ships this change was explained the advantages were really really carefully explained and also um management was coherent with what they were preaching and this was really working so i would say that um for me some of the things that have worked well and i have um, tried to replicate this model in um, when i was consulting companies that had to change was to first let the the management understand very well the reason why and the advantages for the employees and then also to involve all the staff and let them understand why it was important and urgent for them obviously in the case of costa that was easier because it's mm, the, the accident made it urgent. In certain other cases, we need to, to make the effort and bring companies uh, to make the effort to, to let the change become very urgent for, for all the people involved. And um, another thing uh, that I, I would really mention is the, 
you know, it's a bit of a fa- uh, of a buzzword now. We are all talking about bottom-up approach, but I'm really a fan of it in the sense that if you don't listen to what are the doubts, what are the resistances of people, you are missing one important piece. And uh, now there are technology systems that can help you to do it. But I would I would say that when the management was going out of the tower of the crystal tower and getting their hands a little bit you know dirty in the sense that they had to face the resistances of people the doubts and uh, and talk to them and understand why some changes were not welcomed this was a crucial step so listening involving also you know, we are coach and we are used to 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 to, um, to use questions. And questions, if you use them well, have a, a power that is to create a dialogue, not a unidirectional dialogue, but you are actually uh, creating solution together with people. So this is another thing that I've seen working well. At, at the opposite side, there were teams where this was not happening and um, there was that kind of communication that I called the fake communication where we take the messages coming from the headquarter from the CEO and we repeat them and we don't really practice them so I would say that in a change people can really perceive this sort of lack of coherence and they stay with all their doubts and fears and this could be really um, a great obstacle for for a change process if if i go and, and this is another example another case that i would like to bring of a of instead a, a so-called minor change i've worked with a lot a lot of banks and insurances as a consultant and um at a certain point, many of them were implementing the CRM, the Customer Relationship Management Tool. So, pretty easy. New technology, new tool. You implement it, you buy the software, you make the technical training, pop, that's it. <laughs> Magic. But that was not happening. Why? Because, for example, in insurances, there are many agents that are um, broker. They work with different insurances. They are freelancers. They are very jealous of their own contacts, details of the prospects and clients. Why should they think about putting the, this data on a, on a software managed by the company? So they were not using it, even if the, the technical training was, was running properly. So what we did as consultants was to really work on letting them understand the benefits for them. In this case, that was, for example, that um, the company could do business intelligence with the data and create personalized project pro- products that were helping in the end um, fr- the brokers to sell to sell better. So there w- it was a win-win solution, but that passage was not easy. So the first very the very first thing that we did was to make sure that they could all understand the reason why and 
and again i go back to you what you said before again trust because many times the the structure of how a company is structured the structures the processes are not facilitating this trust the distrust for example so if i know that i'm not a direct employee of the company if i am measured on my individual results this structure will not uh, produce a behavior that is that i collaborate with other colleagues or i collaborate with the company sharing information for example and and i've seen this i'm seeing this happening a lot in in companies so uh, in terms of systemic change i would say that uh, a change process cannot work well if we don't tackle all the aspects that are uh, the leadership how you create and communicate the vision the structures of the company uh, the so the decision making process how do you uh, make decisions in a team or in an organization um how do you manage stakeholder in 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 a change process so all these aspects have to be coherent otherwise um you run the risk of finding a lot of obstacles so the, the first thing that we did was creating a let's say a, a vision in that case of a of the insurance companies letting them understand the why and uh, uh making sure that there was um let's say a dialogue between the management of the insurance and the brokers that again they were independent but they were in in the end they were strictly dependent on the products that the company was building for them and for their clients so um, these are where the 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 two insights but, but obviously there are many because i think if you think about this year 2020 we are we are all dealing with a huge change and here again we could talk for a lot so i i would leave the floor for now and maybe we go back to other questions after great thank you very much valeria um i mean just as you started talking a lot about the different examples it, it just reminded me of a few incidents in my own past projects on how how they adapted some of the cheat especially the bottom up approach is something that was used specifically in, in the last team which I'll, I'll if if we have time I'll, I'll I'll go into that in a bit um great um on that note uh, let's move on to uh, Premek uh, if you'd like to I, I'll, I'll mention uh, I'll mention you two, for yourself. two 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 things here what uh, what Valeria you mentioned I can only uh, build on that and uh, we uh, how change usually is planned is that you're here and you want to get here and those are the steps you want to take on the way and on a piece of paper that's just fabulous whatever if you want to implement a crm or new technology or something else that just works great that's where you hire consultants from the big four company and uh, and uh, they they give you a nice diagram how things should look uh, what will be the new structure and recipes for everything but then they leave and uh, the problem is that this change has to be implemented by human beings and as on on piece of paper the budget the timing uh, the requirements everything is predictable you can count it you can summarize it uh, and just how often a big change process or any 
change process went exactly the way you planned it. Uh, literally never. I mean, uh, I love the saying from Mike Tyson. He said, when he was asked this, he, do you plan for, for every fight? And he says, yeah, of course I plan. I, I, I study uh, my, uh, my opponent. And uh, great, so how's that work out? Well, I forget about the plan when the first time I get hit in the head in the ring, because then the plan is gone. Because once the plan hits reality and you make you have human beings doing it, that's that's a totally different story. So what we say is at the same time, at the, we, we call this model the, the waterline, that above the waterline is what's, what's visible, calculated, it can be predicted and written down and then you give it to human beings where you have all the subtle things the emotions the likes the dislikes uh, everything there is only predictable so we say above the waterline is the newtonian world and and uh, and below the waterline you have only you have the quantum world but everything is only possible probable there's influence you cannot really guarantee anything you can you can hope you can uh, you can influence but people will have to deliver it and if it works or not, well, that just time shows. And then I, I also would like to say a word about uh, the bottom-up approach. We uh, we have uh, done a few projects for for several thousand people, uh, where uh, what we do is we call this the breakthrough process, where we actually come as consultants into the organization, and we train internal consultants what we create is diagonal slice of the organization, starting from the top management, somebody from the board, all the way to the frontline person uh, who, I don't know, sells tickets, whatever, or opens the door in, in, in the office. And we train those consultants to, uh, to become consultants and uh, they actually do the work. Uh, they, we assist them, but they go out and they engage the whole company, several thousand people in the process. So they, they gather data, we trust the, the, the data. What has to change is in the, in the company, but there's just not the right environment for that to emerge, to be named. So we work with them uh, in a process. And of course, we know that, that the outcome, if it, if it works out well, is a major change initiative, major culture change initiative in the organization. But if you start coming and say that, oh, we're gonna change you, we're gonna cha make change you, uh, that doesn't work. People don't like to be changed. Uh, but if you tell them, okay, so what, what for you could work better? So they came up with great ideas. And then we say, okay, so let's think of a way how to get there. So they come up with a plan. Of course, this plan is also on a piece of paper. Then it goes through the process and it, it doesn't always land where, where, where the plan was planned, but uh, it, they have the ownership. And then it turns out after a year or two that this was a, a huge culture change initiative for the whole organization. Hopefully, it doesn't have to be so dramatic as for the coast, Costa ships, uh, where that was a really uh, big, big thing. Uh, but uh, any uh, any change of a system or merger acquisition is a huge change. Uh, we worked for we we ran a, a, a process for uh, one of uh, high, te uh, high tech companies here in Poland, uh, where they became a company of over two thousand people. And uh, managing board knew they have to, within a year, let go of 800 people. And and this is no, no not a change that you can ignore. And uh, uh, one of the big four consulting companies was hired to uh, design how the new company should look like. Of course, everybody was terrified with that. But they had a, a requirement uh, that they will work with us because they will work 
uh, above the waterline, designing the processes, describing, predicting everything, etc. And we'll work below the waterline with people to go through through this change. Because what often happens is that uh, when the managing board or somebody, a decision maker, the, 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 the owner of the project, he has time to go through the whole change process in his mind, uh, which is uh, the, the you, you, first, if, when you realize that you have to go through the, shock, or through, the, through the process, you're in shock and denial. Then you have some fear, anger, and well, resistance along the way. And eventually you, you grudgingly accept it until you become fully committed to the, to the process. This doesn't happen like this. This is time. And very often, somebody who is a decision maker went through this process for a few weeks, months, sometimes even more, and then announces it. Okay, we're going to do this. And then the 2,000 people, uh, they're expected actually to go through this process overnight. And, and, and emotionally, uh, uh, psychologically, they have the same path to go through. And if, if you don't give them assistance, guidance, and help with that, uh, this is not going to work. This might work on paper, but then that's the reason why 70% uh, of major changes fail. Because uh, uh, people just, it's not that everybody's, oh, there are people that are really excited about change. They love change. And that's great. But that's that's like 10% of the whole population from the system. Uh, then you have 10% that, that is totally against always. And they might not survive the change and they will drop out uh, for because they choose to or they're chosen to leave. And then they have the 80% that they just don't know. They, they, they're afraid, they, 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 don't, they don't know what's gonna be happening. You have to give them time and lead them through this change. So uh, in, this, in this example uh, of this company, uh, tech company, uh, the 800 people, they actually were led off uh, in one year, but nobody sued the company. Uh, everybody, every manager that worked uh, knew that uh, they're, the position they're currently holding might not be there in one year. So, for example, there was like, uh, there was, because there was a combination of three companies, uh, three managing directors, uh, marketing directors, they knew there only one of them, if one, because maybe somebody from the outside will be brought in, will take over. So they all worked, all three of them worked at the very last day for the benefit of whoever will be taking over that. And how do you motivate people to stay in this attitude, uh, knowing that chances are one to three or even less uh, for them to be in this role. Uh, so we actually led the process with them. Uh, so they created the process, how to how to stay dedicated, motivated, although they know that might, uh, the next day uh, might, they might not be coming. So that's hard work. But uh, as, as Valeria, you said, if you don't engage people into it, it it's just not going to work because they're they're actually the ones that are making the change. So because on, on paper, the change is really nice. It looks great and uh, uh, everybody gets excited about it. But once you get people involved in doing the change, that's where the struggle comes. So if, you don't, if people don't understand it or don't like it or don't, don't trust you as, as, the, as the leader, and uh, as you also said, they have to be uh, coherent, consistent. They have to walk their talk. And mm. the best way is to actually show by their example that they're changing, because uh, very often we, we we work with a with a manager who comes. Okay, can you come in and help me? Because my team they have to change. Well, it's not that they have to change. You all have to change with you, including because you're part of the system. Even if they change, if you don't change, everything is going to go back to the same way like it was before. 
you have to be part of the change you have to lead the change you have to show what 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 the change is for you and show the example how you struggle and how you make take the benefits and uh, so this is this is uh, this is a uh, uh, not very often people want to admit it but this is a very personal thing in such a change process mm. okay mm. good is uh so I, i'm just thinking of a follow-up question on on that and uh but uh, I mean, we can talk more about this uh, unless you have more projects to share, uh, Pimak. Well, I can I can share just one more one more thing yeah. because why uh, maybe why organizations have to change? Okay. Uh, because uh, well, we know we know each other from the Power MBA, so we're from from uh, from the startup point of view. Uh, the organizations have different different phases of uh, 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 of growth of development, as like every 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 living system you have the embryonic so like the startup then you and then you have growth uh, which is scaling then you have maturity and actually eventually every every uh, living system is going to die uh, kind of decline and on each of those stages different qualities are required and a different attitude so on startup there's there's no mistakes there's only learnings uh, in growth period, you already have the idea how things should be going. So uh, there's already some making mistakes, but uh, but uh, but still they're tolerated. But in the mature part of big organizations, they have a rule for everything. They have a process for everything, and there's no room for innovation. There's no room for change. This is growth, but this is very stable. This is a very slowly changing system. And if they don't in each of those phases. Uh, different qualities are required from the management. So very often it happens, we have that in our program, uh, uh, a lot of examples that they, they created a startup, they, they, they sold it and they start working on another startup because they are just crazy about innovation. They don't want to see how this system goes into the, the uh, maturity phase where everything's stable, the, running, the business is running well and you, you just check the bonuses. They don't, they're not excited about that at all. And one of the things that we work sometimes with uh, uh, with um, with startups is that okay, how to get you ready as a team, as a young team, for the later phase, because uh, you might have hard time getting along together because you're not. This is not the moment to come up with all new crazy ideas because we have to actually let the market decide that this idea is good or not. We have to make it a living thing. And some people are just not excited about that. They, they're just crazy about the ideas. So what happens, uh, so each company, when they get to the maturity phase, they uh, this is the moment where you want to be sold. So their merger uh, acquisition comes in place or some other dramatic change, uh, like for example, Kodak, uh, the inventor of film. Yes, they, they actually created the, the digital uh, camera but uh, they uh, they didn't believe that this change will ever be needed because the quality will never be good enough to to uh, replace the the the, the physical uh, film and 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 they failed and they got they got they they, they grown from the uh, embryonic to the growth and the maturity they were very much your company and then they had to go through a breakthrough process that they didn't uh, they had a, just an opportunity on the plate they created it for themselves they just didn't use it and now they're gone. I mean, who did 
15 years ago, who would believe that Kodak will be gone, will, will not exist? Nobody. Yeah. So this is an example that even big systems, they, they do fail if they don't come at a certain point into some really change, big change uh, on a systemic level, they will not survive. Great, thank you. Um, yeah, I was I was just going to talk a little bit about that the, the change aspect. Uh, I mean, the follow up question I had uh, was more towards uh, if the change requires, as you said, uh, like in, in the last project, eight hundred people had to let go in the process of the change. Um, what, what if 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 the the leader, the decision maker, had to make a different uh, angle? an angle that benefits uh, the the most of his company or his or her company uh, what advice would you give over there so that the, the setback or the people who are affected the most don't feel uh, as you said they, they're not going to sue the company or they're not going to you know have this uh, anger towards the employer who did that change uh, what how did you position that i guess i'm trying to understand how that would make it mm. easier for them that's there's no easy answer for that i'm afraid and and uh, uh the, the reason here it worked very well is well first of all the ceo was very respected and liked by people in the company and he had trust of the people he was a he well he still is he's not running the company anymore but he's he he's a true leader so they really trusted him so he made sure that the the communication uh, and there uh, was very clear that everybody knew the numbers that this is just not possible for the company to go on like this and uh, and everybody uh, he made it also very clear that uh, that the um, um, that the board will have to be making tough decisions so the way it was dealt with uh, is that how on different positions people were recruited for the new position uh, for example I, I gave the example of the three uh, marketing directors is the, the the decision was that there can be only one but how it's worked out uh, we facilitated the process within them how it will be the best fair method to uh, come up with the best candidate so they worked out the criteria and uh, what's needed and uh, actually, an external company uh, was hired to uh, validate that. And it was their decision, but it was their common agreement. It was their process. They created the process. We just fa facilitated the difficult and challenging conversations that they had. But they, they came up with the solutions. And it, it, the, the lower it went, the, the, of course, it, the kind of easier it, it was because, uh, uh, but, uh, but still it was it, the announcement was that there will be so and so many positions and people have to work out together within themselves how they will be selected. So it was a very democratic, of course, the final word was always by the CEO and the managing board, but the, they were given recommendations by the people from below. So it was, uh, it was a, a initiative that involved the whole, the whole organization. Okay, interesting. Um, I just want to add that um, in this part of the world uh, where I'm based, uh, you're in Denmark, uh, 
with the help of trade unions um, one of the ways uh, the companies who want to do a mass uh, let going of, of employees what the agreement they've made is uh, that before you start uh, letting people go um, one of the key things uh, you can hire these uh, specialized consultants whose job is to train them up train them up and provide some kind of work placement opportunities for the, for this set of employees so like, yes. like this okay. could be uh, cv preparation those who have never uh, done that career you know uh, ramping, ramping up their cv because they've stayed there so long right so these specialized consultants came on board just to prepare them to to take that next step and you know get them ready for from job preparation to interview preparation all those things that we take for granted when we do for yeah. job hunts yeah. Yeah, that was that was also, of course, present. Uh, the the I mean, the, that's why I said that because it was pretty straightforward when uh, you get to the lower level that you have to give them training how to exactly write CV. Maybe they want to uh, redesign their life and do something totally different. So there was special budget for them to give them trainings to actually uh, uh, get a new specialization because they 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 used it as an opportunity to actually develop something totally new and and go in a different direction and company paid for that yeah. so that that was of course uh that was of course uh present yes okay uh, great if i may if i may add on this there is uh, a project in italy uh that is providing um entrepreneurship trainings for people that are leaving a company because as um as you are saying maybe the person the, the, the leaving a company is an occasion to start something totally different that you never had the courage to do and a proper training could help even even more than having a, a resume a perfect resume so that that kind of support in the end whether it's a training a, a startup training or mm, personal branding skills i think that are way to be appreciated but um, I also recollect um, a memory from my, my, my first job experience. I, I joined uh, Leroy Merlin. Uh, it's a retail in, in the home building, home uh, building, home building, exactly, um, in 2011. And they acquired a company called Castorama uh, in 2000, 2009. So when the merger and acquisition was not yet communicated the chart director in italy told to its people um hey we the the, the chart director of le romerlin told hey we have been acquired by Tassarama. so he actually lied but it was a what i called a white lie uh, and people stayed for one or two days thinking that they were acquired after two days he he told them the truth that was the opposite actually but he wanted people to feel to feel in the belly how the people from the other company the acquired the acquired company could feel in that exact moment nice. uh, and and that was a very intelligent move in my opinion because the more you empathize the more you are able to somehow also change your your behavior the way you are 
dealing with a person coming from a different companies and we know that merger and acquisitions sometimes requires two cultures i know you don't like the <laughs> the the terms but in the end are two cultures that are merging so think about amazon and whole foods there were two very different cultures merging and uh, and they had to integrate this part as well so what are the best ways so if you think about like just some in summary like the top five or top three change agents or change methodologies or methods well, methods methods and uh, that's a, that's like a second second secondary question because that kind of uh, it kind of depends on what kind of change we're thinking but uh, uh, I think the first uh, first thing is uh, who is the owner and who's the sponsor of this initiative uh, because you if you don't uh, if your scope is uh, like a local uh, for team, then the, the the team leader he's like the owner and he's responsible who's the person to say yes or no to this or but if you want to initiate some uh system change on the for the whole organization uh, you have to have somebody on board uh that uh that is from the managing board and you have to have a good relationship with this person that this person trusts you trust your advice and trust your recommendations that's the first first thing how do you do that? That's that's a totally different story. How you build trust, how you how you gain trust, and how do you prove your your value? But uh, that that will definitely be the, be the first the first step. And uh, and second, if you want the the, the change to be system wise, uh, the managing board or the sponsor has to be the sample of the change. Mm. Yeah, I think there are many rules uh, but following up building up on what you are saying um, system wise i would say that again the change needs to be tackled at various level so you want to change um, people behaviors you need to see how structures and processes are supporting this change uh, you need to to see what are the values and and and, and real vision practiced by people inside. So you you need to make the change, not something that is just supported by, for example, sometimes you change a structure, but the the the, the culture, the values that are instead in in a company are not supporting it. And this happens, for example, when a very bureaucratic company wants to become a digitally innovative uh, startup uh, type oriented okay you can introduce the the new tool for example but you need to to reshape the culture sometimes it's the reverse sometimes you promote a fantastic vision compelling vision but then you have old structures so i would say that a, a good change need to to be implemented at various level in a systemic way to really work out okay great do the managers have to sign any documents uh, that they agree with whatever the outcome of change is before you proceed so i guess some kind of rfc document or some kind of a is that really required in every instance of in every project or i think there's a, that's a give and take over here right? 
I don't. I, I don't would love to know so. the outcome. <laughs> if, if, if somebody could predict, predict the outcome of, of a change initiative, oh. Please, <laughs> I, will, I will pay him or her. <laughs> give, me, give me his phone number. <laughs> Do you think a, a cause change management model can fit in service industry? If not, what is the best change model? when you are driving change in service industry? Yes, ADCAR starts from, it's an acronym, so you have um, awareness and uh, you want the reason behind the change to be to be known and, uh, and people are being aware of, and then you need to raise the desire, so the D for desire. Um, then there is the knowledge, so you need to, uh, for example, the trainings that I was mentioning before, you provide the, 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 the relevant training to to be sure that people are involved and, um, uh, and know how to deal with this change. Uh, and the, the training then become, uh, develops the ability. So um, let's imagine a digital transformation. Uh, you provide the training on digital, but then people become digitally savvy. Uh, and the R is the reinforcement final. Um, I mean, you, 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 somehow you follow up on what you have done and you make sure that it's still um, that is consolidated. I would say that it's a valid model. Um, it's, again, it's, it depends on how you do it. The, the processes are, in my opinion, are very helpful. So I would always start from the awareness and, and desire. So again, when you when you say you want to make the change something relevant for people and somehow urgent, a company that is not digitalized today, well, uh, it's urgent, but it's also desirable because um, digital is something that will facilitate maybe uh, the conversation among people, the collaboration, etc., etc. Just go deep. So the first phase to make it clear the reason why so awareness and desire are very crucial and sometimes the fear stays in the lack of training the lack of knowledge so i may understand that i need to implement new tools in my team but i don't have the skills i feel i'm not able to do that this creates a lot of resistances so also the other phases, I mean, knowledge and then ability are, are really, really crucial. Another model that I would say that is very, very interesting is um, Cotter. I mean, what, what John Cotter said about in leading change, the, the eight steps. And something that we also use a lot uh, in my company, it's appreciative inquiry, where we see change not like a, a journey from A to B, but more like, you know, the infinite, uh, the infinite sign where you build up on what is present. So what are the strengths that are already present? What are the, the capabilities that we have? What are the vital forces of an organization, a team? Even a, you can use it to help a person change. And then you build up from what is already working. So appreciative inquiry is also, I, I really like, model and I, I use it a lot. What are the first three steps if you land a role as a change analyst? And uh, just many of our viewers work in the profession of business analysis and there's change, a lot of uh, change 
producing new changes in the overall processes one of our key activities but uh, uh, maybe uh, we can get some tips and ideas on how to become a change agent or a change analyst in in a future gig that we like okay so uh, in in my perspective i think the first first step is gathering data uh, we get uh, pretty often called in that, uh, with with a statement that uh, something's not working. I think, and uh, and uh, okay, then uh, what what is it? And sometimes the person knows, and sometimes the person doesn't know. And uh, uh, could you just go and gather some data because I, I have a feeling. So we pick uh, some people who we. Um, uh, who we ask questions. Of course, they're confidential, and we present the data uh, to to the sponsor or the, the person that requested it uh, using quotes. Uh, and sometimes those are very, uh, very moving. And uh, if they're very honest, uh, that makes a big impression. Uh, sometimes they will say that uh, something that is not uh, acceptable in the company's norms uh, in their culture, uh, they they can swear at something. And if we give that quote, uh, I mean, the, the, the owner will never hear that from, from, from his coworker. But we're outside people. They, if we gain their trust and uh, convince them that uh, they can share something. So we usually ask, okay, what, if you would have a magic wand and you could do anything in your, in your setup, what would you like to, and you can change anything, what would you like to stick to? What would you like to get rid of? And what would you like to change? And, uh, and just anything without any limits in, in this setup. So they come up with some ideas and uh, uh, we, we gather uh, common themes from that. And that's a great uh, starting point because there, if there's a common theme, uh, then there's something really for the system, system to work on. And uh, yeah, so those, those are, those are the, the first steps I would recommend. Okay, great. And Valeria? Um, I'm thinking about uh, data and I'm thinking about big data and small data. I don't know if you have heard about this book. It was from written by a business consultant that was, uh, I mean, doing the opposite of what big data do. Big data gather a lot of data and then build up on them to, to to make a decision, a business decision. In small data, you go really in deep. You do like a, a so-called ethnographic research. So this consultant was really going into the life of the potential customers and understanding what they were living and where were the latent needs. Because sometimes uh, <laughs> there are some latent needs. People are not aware of having a need. And so they are not aware that they need change. If you are able to spot them, you can open up a lot of of perspectives and make and make rel, uh, change relevant for them, maybe. But I, I feel building trust and buy-in allows you to drive any change you want to achieve, which is important. Absolutely. Uh, that, that, I think that's a necessity uh, without trust. The question is how you gain trust or how you give trust. And uh, uh, people sometimes, uh, they're not aware what they do to gain trust uh, uh, from somebody. And uh, they, they actually 
when they figure out that they have to take a risk and give trust first, because it's really difficult to ask for trust. Can you trust me? Uh, but if I trust you first and show up with vulnerability and uh, give something, I take a risk. Uh, that gives space for you to take a risk. So, uh, and uh, let's uh, let's not kid ourselves. Any change initiative is a big risk. Uh, so uh, if if I wouldn't be willing to take any serious risks to uh, to any advisor that I would not really trust. I totally agree. And um, if I think about building trust, I think about the capability to again to listen. You build trust by listening and being open. So, for example, a resistance come. If you are already pushing that resistance back uh, and you are not listening to it and exploring it, you are missing an opportunity to build trust. You are missing an opportunity to really understand what's the, the, the so-called pain point. So letting the other person or the, 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 the organization express the doubts and resistances, listen to them and making sure you are addressing these in my opinion, one way to build a real trust, not a fake trust, and yeah. um, and eventually to get to get the buy-in. Yeah. Awesome. Easier to say than to practice, but exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Valeria and, and uh, Pimek, for um, joining this session. I think this has been very useful. Um, thank you.